Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, Everyday Truth family. Thanks for joining us again today. Jeremiah chapter 32 is our landing place for today. Hope you'll uh, open your copy of the Word of God or at least listen very carefully. One of the things that I think makes our podcast so unique is that we don't talk about the Bible. We let the Bible just speak. That's what this podcast is all about, just being in the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, and just seeing the sufficiency of God's truth. And not just sufficiency, but the applicability that God's word is relevant. Sometimes I'll hear people say, well, we need to make God's word relevant to everyday life. And what I say is, I know what you mean by that statement, but we don't have to make God's word relevant. God's word is relevant to everyday life. We simply have to demonstrate that relevance. It is relevant. God knew when he wrote these these words all these many years ago that this would transcend time and culture and geography and that this would be as meaningful and as powerful to you in Michigan or Texas or Australia or wherever you are today as it was to those in Israel all those many years ago. So Jeremiah chapter 32 We're in verse number one, and let's just go ahead and begin reading. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, and watch the timestamp here, because this is very important. In the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah. So we've done this a couple times, but just repetition, I think, is the key to learning. Zedekiah was one of the sons of Josiah. So Josiah, the boy king who ruled and and actually died at age 39 and with him, the hopes of of Judah, because Josiah was a good king who was bringing reform, but uh, his sons, not so much. And remember, he had a younger son, Jehoiaz, just reigned for a, a few months, and then Jehoiakim, under whom that first invasion took place with Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael were taken. And then Jehoiakim had a son whose name was Jehoiakin. Sometimes we call him Coniah or um, Jeconiah. And he was taken as a teenager captive to Babylon in 597. And then Zedekiah. So Zedekiah rules for the last 11 years before Jerusalem is finally destroyed. And the Bible says that this is the 10th of the 11th years, here in verse number one, which tells me that at the writing, the the chronology tells me that this event that we're going to talk about is taking place in Jerusalem at the very time that Babylon has now surrounded the city, because the siege itself was about a year and a half. So the siege is taking place even as the events of this passage are unfolding. So keep that in mind. Look at verse number one again. So in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of 
Nebuchadnezzar, or Nebuchadnezzar would be another way to say his name. Verse number two, for then the king of Babylon's army, of course, that's Nebuchadnezzar's army, besieged Jerusalem. The word besieged is the verb form of a siege. So a siege was a particular military strategy. So to besiege a city means to surround it. And really, it's kind of like a like a, a constrictor, like a boa constrictor. What you're going to do is you're going to choke out its ability to survive. That's what a siege is. The sieges were very effective before there was uh, air transportation. So th- there was a siege in Berlin back in... Uh, the nineteen, you know, the mid nineteen forties, but that didn't work because we could airlift supplies. But there was no airlifting supplies back in those days. So see, a siege was very, very effective. And what the besieging army would do is cut off all methods of ingress, no way to get in, and all exits, no way to get out. And then they would simply wait out their prey. They would just wait out. And what would happen is the meager supplies in the city would begin to run out. And especially if there was a limited water supply, that's why it was very important for cities to keep a water supply within the wall or at least hidden with a way to access that water, like in places like Megiddo or even Jerusalem and the, the building of a fortress around and tunnels to the Gihon Spring. I'm, I'm going too deep. The point is this, no pun intended. The, the point is this, that a siege was very effective because the invading army didn't have to lose great casualties or suffer great casualties. They could just wait. And then when a city was weakened and desperate, then they could attack. They could take time to build these mounds so that they could siege the city from not having to scale a wall or having hot oil or water poured on you. So there were just many reasons. And essentially what would happen is the people in the city would starve out, a pestilence, disease would take over, uh, the people would lose heart. And so it was effective. Look at verse number two. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison which was in the king of Judah's house. So Jeremiah now is in prison. Now, why? This is a year before the final destruction of Jerusalem. And Jeremiah is now a prisoner under King Zedekiah. Jeremiah's not broken a law. Jeremiah is not an evil person. Jeremiah is not absconded with funds or stole something that doesn't belong to him. Jeremiah is a faithful prophet of God, but that's his problem. I say that tongue in cheek because he's told the people the message of God and the message that he has shared does not sit well with them. He's told Zedekiah, Zedekiah, it doesn't make a difference what alliances you form. It doesn't make a difference what you do. You're not going to escape the destruction that's going to come via Babylon. I am prophesying this from the Lord. God's word is sure. So men like Habakkuk, men like like Jeremiah and Zephaniah, they've been telling the people and other faithful prophets. We talked about a few of them. Uriah, remember? Uh, He was uh, a prophet that said the same thing and got executed for it. The point is this, that 
Zedekiah didn't like the messenger, so he put him in jail. Very similar to what Herod Antipas did to John the Baptist years later. I don't like the messenger, so I'm going to put him in jail. But trying to, to imprison or somehow silence the message of truth never works because truth has its own voice. And truth transcends even one body or one messenger. Truth is truth. And as much as Zedekiah wants to silence the truth, he's not going to. As much as Zedekiah wants to change the course of what God has planned, he's not going to be able to do that. So Jeremiah is in prison. Verse number three, for Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up. So there's the culpability. Zedekiah was responsible for putting Jeremiah in prison. And here was his rationale. Verse three, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. Why are you saying that, said Zedekiah? Who, who do you think you are crying out in the streets and saying to me personally that, that God said that this city is going to be destroyed? Don't you have any national pride? Don't you love your nation? Don't you love the temple? Don't you love your people? I mean, come on, Jeremiah. Isn't it funny how the world sometimes puts on this onus of morality, like we're the moral ones and we're the ones that love our nation. We're the ones that, when in actuality, Jeremiah was loving his nation by telling them the truth, by supporting the God uh, by whom they were named. But Zedekiah was having none of it. And he put him in jail because Jeremiah was saying the things that I think down deep in his heart he knew were true, and yet he just didn't want them to be true. Verse number four, and Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape. This is the further message of Jeremiah, why Zedekiah was so mad. And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon. And thou shalt speak with him mouth to mouth, and his eyes shall behold his eyes, and he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon, and there shall he be until I visit him, saith the Lord, though ye fight with the Chaldeans, ye shall not prosper. So that was Jeremiah's message. You're going to lose. Zedekiah, you're going to personally lose. You're going to face to face, look into the eyes of, hear from the mouth of the king of Babylon. You're going to see it. You're going to be shamed. We, we find it's much worse than that, by the way. That's, these are not all the details because Zedekiah tries to run. Zedekiah actually gets caught. His sons are killed right in front of him. And then his eyes are gouged out. So it's horrific. I mean, Jeremiah, this is the vanilla version of the prophecy. It's it's way more um it's it's way more uh difficult to hear than this. And Zedekiah just didn't want to hear any of it. So what did he do? He tried to take truth embodied in the life of this prophet, faithful prophet Jeremiah, and put truth in prison. But you're just never going to imprison truth. Truth always finds a crack. It always finds a crevice. It always finds some escape hatch somewhere, and it always does its job. But sometimes it takes a generation or two. Sometimes it seems as if it's trampled underfoot, but truth will always rise, and time is always the friend of 
of truth. And that's what gave Jeremiah such confidence that he knew in simplicity he was speaking the truth of God. So what happens to poor old Jeremiah here in prison? Well, you are going to be surprised at who comes to visit Jeremiah in prison. He's in the king's house, probably in the very same palace that David had built for him uh, all those many years ago. That's the king's house. And in that basement, uh, there's a place where the guards would uh, pull their shifts, and there's a place where the the royal prisoners would be kept, and that's where Jeremiah is. Let's find out next episode who visits him and why. Until then, have a great day in the Lord. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.